When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. How's it going, Sean? Oh, it's going pretty good, Alex. How about yourself? Oh, it's been great. We've had some awesome weather in Nashville, if you haven't been paying attention. Uh, seven inches of snow, some tornadoes, and also now some flooding. So, you know, that's fine. Hey, what else, what else are you going to get when you talk about Tennessee weather, right? I think the only thing next is some like really intense heat. I think next, you know, maybe maybe next week it'll be like 100 degrees. I hope so. Yeah, well, uh, we get all the but, we get weird Tennessee weather bingo. That I don't know what the prize is, but it's got to be oh my awesome. Gosh. It's been really weird. But anyways, this is the show where we recap the Preds. We don't recap the weather. We don't talk about weather here. We talk about the Preds. And if you can't tell from our screen, which if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be, uh, you can see. The Predators are in first place, and that is something you cannot ignore. The Nashville Predators are in first place, uh, holding it down in the Central Division. Every time they go out with first place, first place on the line, they they hold on to it. So it's been a really interesting week. They've won four straight. Uh, they now have 23 wins in the NHL, and. We're going to talk about, we're going to recap the games from this past week, and we're going to talk about some some big picture things, some really interesting things that have been going on with this team. And uh, But let's go ahead and get it started. Uh, you ready to do that? I'm ready. Okay. Let's talk about Vegas, because if you remember, do you remember last week we said that basically we would, we would expect this team to win two out of the three? Yeah, we were looking for four points as a metric of success. Yeah, four only four points out of six, and that was just because you know the Predators had been maybe riding a little bit of a high streak, and you know maybe maybe the, one of these teams would would find a way to bring them back down to size. <clears throat> that did not happen because the Predators taking on the Pacific Division leading Vegas Golden Knights last Tuesday, and I, honestly, this may have been the most physical game that the Preds had played to that point. There were eighty nine hits in this game, which is crazy. Uh, the Preds had fifty five of them. Philip Forsberg gets the scoring started, taking a Mikhail Granlin pass, ripping a wrist shot by Logan Thompson. That makes it one nothing. I think this is Logan Thompson's second only start ever. Um, Jakob Trenin gets another tip goal, very similar to one that we talked about last week. Um, something really good to see that Jakob Trenin is still still tipping those pucks in. That makes it two nothing. That was also Philip Meyer's first point. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was. I was really was excited exciting. about it. Pretty exciting. Then after another heavy-hitting second period, Philip Forsberg has probably the leading candidate for goal of the year, at least for Nashville. And I want to show this because, you know, I think Victor Arvidsson has had the goal of the year the last couple of years. He's had some pretty awesome goals. Philip Forsberg usually saves this kind of thing for the playoffs. But check this out. This was really awesome. Uh, Philip Forsberg, potential goal of the year candidate against Vegas. This made it 3 nothing, I think. Yeah around him but it starts with a block shot 
Randall trying to take the right angle, and Forsberg, a little flip play, just pushes it ahead, uses his sprint. There's the play, kind of almost a little flip pass to himself, and then to the backhand as he beats Logan Thompson for his second of the game. That's just inside. That's incredible. Uh, taking tur Turning Alex Petrangelo, who's a pretty good defenseman, inside out like that, just being so physical on the puck, the little tip pass to himself in midair, and then deking the goalie. Now, you can say it's Logan Thompson, whatever. That kind of move would have worked on probably most goalies. Uh, it was perfect. I think that was uh, – that's that's probably the leading candidate for goal of the year. I, I can't think of any others. Can you? I just – I want to make sure – I mean, Alex, this is a family show, and if we're going to show <laughs> stuff like that, we probably need to give a warning to parents because yeah. we saw a man murdered. And then, and then we saw pure filth. And I, I don't know <laughs> if this is going to get us blocked or taken down, but man, we'll you gotta, a, we got to start warning people about this. We'll put an NSFW tag on it. I, I don't, as, as far as another goal for goal of the year, definitely can't think of another one on this team. Um, but uh, maybe there's something else out there that I'm forgetting, but that that's just pure, absolute filth. And I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So that made it, I think that made it three, nothing. And then Vegas kind of really put on the uh, tested, tested Nashville towards the end. I mean, it really gave Nashville some panicky moments, uh, made it three, two, but the predators would win three to two. So, uh, that gave Nashville first place in the division, um, on the road in Vegas, not an easy place to play. Then let's go ahead and just jump to Los Angeles, because I think that this was, uh, this was a, just the, it, did, it wasn't a back-to-back, -back, but the way the games were played, they were so similar in terms of their physical nature. They felt like this back-to-back, -back, you know, uh, yeah. a gauntlet here, Vegas to, to Los Angeles. So the Preds entered the hallowed halls of Crypto.com Arena. Mm. Crypto.com Arena. I know, Sean, I miss the old days <laughs> when uh, arenas had real names like the Snickers Peanut Butter Dome. Yeah, that was, well, I mean... I have fond memories of the Snickers peanut butter dome, mainly because I enjoy Snickers peanut butter and domes. What but, about the pro what about the Progresso reduced sodium creamy tomato soup arena? You like that one? Um, you know, the less sodium, the better, I guess, as long as you're not sacrificing taste. And then there's old Crest White Strips Park. I loved watching a ball game at CWSP. <laughs> I've got a whole list of these, by the way. We'll come back to that at some point. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just but basically during the third period of the Arizona game up until things got crazy, I uh, I was just coming up with these names because I was having fun with it. But anyway, Philip Forsberg, just like in Vegas, uh, scores again for the Preds. This time it was on the power play, putting the Preds up one nothing. Um, I might have that goal to show. I, I can't remember if I put it on there or not. I'll, I'll check that in a second. But then and then Matt Duchesne breaks through on the Pred through for the Preds on the second goal, also on the power play, two nothing after one. Matt Luff scored on a really nice play by Michael McCarron. He got the pass, got the shot off, he got stopped, but then he got the rebound. 3 nothing Preds, again, for the second straight game. And then Dustin Brown, Martin Furk got the Kings back in the game, but uh, UC Soros was really the key to this win, and we're going to talk a lot about him right down there. We're going to talk a lot about him tonight. Season-high 46 saves for UC Preds win it four to two. Los Angeles, not an easy win anymore. That's a tough team. Uh, don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're still a tough team. So, um, yeah. So there, there you go. Two two wins right off the bat on this road trip, and then uh, I think you're going to talk about Arizona next. But uh, what do you think about these first two wins? 
you know, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the style of play I saw, and I'm I'm not here to say like I just want swinging and brawling the whole time, but realistically, when when you get a, a guarantee made at the beginning of the season that they're not going to be an easy team to play against, you you want to see that play out. You don't want to see it play out only against certain teams. You want to see it play out against teams that are also big and physical as well. And really, it's kind of nice to see the Predators getting the uh, advantage on that for once. Um, especially against a team like Vegas, it was it was really nice to see like that discrepancy, that disparity in the number of hits, and uh, just just the fact that there are a lot of guys on the Preds that can get under the other team's skin. And and really, when you carry that kind of momentum over into the LA game, um, really happy to see that it was just continuing and not a a one game thing. Not, and you know, again, you're on the West Coast, you got jet lag, you're up past your bedtime playing hockey. I mean. I, I assume they're up past their bedtime. I don't really know what time they go to bed, but I also know they're <laughs> professionals and they're trained for this. But you know, it, it's not it's not a one and done situation where we're going to go out and give 110 percent against this team, and then you go up against uh, the team two nights later, and then it's just where what happened? You know, what's going on? Yeah. So I'm I'm happy to see that that physical side really kind of coming in um, and, and doing what it's supposed to do. You know, if it, if it's not winning you games, you just look like a bunch of jerks and a bunch of bullies. So it's nice to see that you're actually getting those wins on top of playing that physical game. And I, I really think that means you're starting to see this whole game plan come together for John Hines. So I'm really happy about all of that. And I also want to point out too, really happy to see Matt Luff get his first Preds goal against his former team. Um, oh yeah. You know, I, I don't think, you know, and, and look, we're we're not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here at least and say that, you know, clearly Matt Luff is is top line talent and he should be playing on the first line every night. But the reality is, you know, when you're in the league and you've been in the league for a while and you get cut by a team, you know, how many opportunities do you really get to go and score a goal against them? I mean, to me, that's uh -huh. just poetic justice. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the Matt Luff thing, Michael McCarron stepping in and playing well um has has a lot to do with what kind of what kind of environment John Hines has created. There's a lot of buy-in right now. I mean, guys are really buying into their role, into their to their position. Um, I think it, and I, I we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but I think it really goes back to the identity that when when they found the Sissons, Janot, Yakov Trenin with Matthew Olivier thrown in there for some spice. When they found that connection last year that was the start of this team finding its identity, I think. And I, I think that that cannot be understated. I mean, like the, the, that group continues to be exciting to watch, productive on the ice, physical, imposing, intimidating to the other team. I mean, they just, they just have not had that kind of a line, at least consistently in years. I mean, it's been a long time. So, um, and and I think the Matt Luff thing, you know, he's not he's not really like those guys, but I think uh, he he probably you know sees guys like that, someone like Tanner Janot, undrafted guy stepping in and being you know a huge contributor and being like you know I can I can come in here and do the same thing. So um, Matt Luff, yeah, really good to see uh, score against his old team. Yeah, um, it, go ahead. Well, I was going to say too, you know. You, you take someone like that and you do, I don't want to say you have guys that are inspiring other guys, but I think the big thing we saw last season was you saw an influx of youth coming up from Milwaukee. And I want to say that the work ethic they brought with them and the fact that they are continually trying to improve 
opened up a lot of guys on the on the regular NHL roster's eyes to say, well, hey, if these guys can do it, I can do it too. And I think you had guys finding new ways to contribute all over. And so, sure, you know, you take a guy like Matt Luff, who's come from another team, um, and he sees like, hey, these guys are making an impact. I think they're all challenging each other to continue stepping up their game. And I think that's, you know, again, combine that with the big next man up mentality. And I think you've got a recipe for a lot of wins. Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead and jump to Arizona because you, you talked about, you're going to talk about that one. And uh, that was also an eventful game. It was, and it's, it's probably a longer, longer recap than it needs to be. But I mean, Alex, if you like arena names, the Preds had the opportunity to play in the legendary Gila river arena. Gila and, and river. Gonna, yeah. Wow. I know that's everybody knows the, everyone loves. But you know what? It's, it's no, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's no, uh, Greatnuts.com field. <laughs> Greatnuts.com field. So many classic games at that one. All right, so ahead, many. Sorry. You think about all the legendary things that have happened <laughs> in the, what you say, the hallowed halls of the <clears throat> Greatnuts.com field. Field. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway, the lights look dim on the broadcast, which made me recall the whole Coyotes are behind on their Bills fiasco. They've all the season. I'm sorry. I promise I won't keep interrupting, but they've no, always been there. They've well, always it, it seemed like they got brighter as the night went on. I don't know. Oh. Um, but it just, it, for whatever reason, I think the levels on the broad, it just looked dark, but I don't think it was the arena. It was just, got it, it was a good opportunity to make a joke about that whole <laughs> situation from earlier. But, um, you know, the thing is, Arizona made it clear early on that even though they only have seven wins on the season, that they're not going to be a pushover. In fact, push was a pretty good word to describe the night because the teams pretty much leaned on each other until they would fight all night long. The Preds ended the first up three to nothing on the strength of Matthias Ekholm with a bull and a China shop goal, a Yakov Trenin laser, and a backdoor beauty from Tanner Janot on a pass from Matt Duchesne. And, you know, there was a lot of fighting over the course of the evening and a ton of minor penalties as well. Preds didn't look great in the second, but Soros had them covered. And, of course, Arizona made a little noise in the third on the strength of a Keller goal. Um, But the big story was probably the Coyotes' second goal, which was played with a high stick. Um, The linesman called it as played with a high stick, but the goal was ultimately not reviewed, allowed to stand, Um, And John Hines was not allowed to challenge, which he is absolutely allowed to do. The two benches jotted each other during this whole stoppage until they eventually threw Tanner Janot and someone from the Coyotes, I stopped paying attention, out of the game, I guess, to prevent further violence. I don't know. The refs didn't really seem like they were doing too great of a job. I don't mind saying it. Um, And then the refs tried to restart the game, but Hines and company were waiting for a review from uh, Toronto or at least the chance to challenge and didn't send anybody out to take the face off. So then they called the bench minor for delay of game, which put the Preds on the penalty kill. Um, And uh, you know, delay a game bench minor. I mean, for your coach, that's, that's not a, not what you want because uh, he's waiting for justice for that high stick, but it never, (laughs) at the end of the day, the Preds ended up winning four to two Hines never got the, uh, explanation he wanted and even talked about it in the post game so um a good way to finish the road trip with a perfect score of three and oh but uh yeah definitely an interesting third period that so that whole sequence with uh lawson kraus and with uh um the whole sequence with lawson kraus and i think also um 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Antoine Roussel. Uh, Liam O'Brien is the guy you're thinking of. Liam O'Brien was yeah. kicked out. He's a he's a journeyman. Uh, journeyman. He's a he's a nobody really. I mean, I I'm oh, not wow. I'm not I'm not shy to say that the, the guy's played like a know. few games here and there, but he's like he's not he's not like anything. He's not even a prospect or anything. He's just a guy. Anyways, gotcha. my point is uh, Liam O'Brien uh, is the guy that was drawing with. So it, what happened was I'm not really exactly sure what happened with uh, with Lawson Kraus and and. You know, but it, you know, it, at one point there was a before a face off, there was a lot of jawing between the two. There must have been some other event that happened earlier in the game, like a hit or late something. I don't know. But there was also some talk after the goal. So when Lawson Kraus scored that goal, he he like talked to the Preds bench on the way back. I think he said some stuff, and then they just lit him up. If you see that, if you go to my Twitter, I've got a whole video on it of the, the full um, from the Arizona broadcast. Now, I don't know if the Preds broadcast had anything extra, but um, they had just a, a pretty good long minute of, of just F bombs back and forth. And it was mostly Brian Johansson and Tanner, Janot just laying into Lawson Krause. And it's pretty entertaining. It was, it was entertaining. And I'll tell you, it, it is on your Twitter. And I was watching it. My son was very curious to see what was going on. And he said, what are they saying? I'm like, a lot of stuff that you don't need to hear. And yeah. He was like, yeah, but what is it? I'm like, they're just having a conversation about how good someone is at, at playing hockey. And yeah. it's not very positive. And he's like, I, I, think, I, I think ultimately the, the discussion was that they were saying Lawson Krause was a, an effing fourth liner. And oh. he was saying that he's not. And he was disagreeing with that take. And I, there may have been some talk about like their – like their respective place in the division. I couldn't really tell, mm, gotcha. but Ryan Johansson, just when he gets going with another person, it is must see TV. There is some, there's some images of Ryan Johansson making faces at this guy that is just hilarious. He's so very funny when he gets yeah. going, go right. check it out. It's, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, I would play the video, but honestly it is like, there's just nothing but F bombs. <laughs> and when we, <laughs> When we put this on YouTube, we have to say if there's like cursing in it or not. And yeah. so I, I would rather say that there's not. So, yeah, um, it's a family. Show. Yeah, exactly. Twitter, though. Twitter's the Wild West. You can do whatever you want on Twitter. So what go check literally. it out there. Yeah. Um, all right. So, let, so yes, 3-0 on the, on the road trip. And then they come back home. We'll talk about next week coming up. But I just wanted to say that the, the physical nature of this Preds team is just – and this goes back with what I was saying about Tanner Janot and – that Jakob Trenin line, it is so much different than what it used to be, than, than just a couple years ago. They, they just do not back down. And I think that video of them yelling at, at Lawson Krause is one element of it. It's like a, there's, a, there's an intimidation factor. But it is just, from the, from the opening puck drop of the Vegas game, there was intense hits. I mean, we're talking huge hits. It was the kind of game that two years ago or three years ago, 2019 Preds immediately would have been dominated and probably scored on a couple times and then just kind of had to chase the game the rest of the way. Yeah, They matched it and not just matched it, but uh, what's what's the word? Went over it. There you go. They, 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 they were better than Vegas. I mean, in terms of the physical game, like throughout the whole game. That the 2019, 2020, you can maybe say the 2018 team, although that team did win a president's trophy, so it's not like really it. They were pretty good, but they just were not tough. They could not hold on to the puck. 
They didn't win puck battles. They were not strong on the on the boards. They 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 and that does not bode well for a team if you can't do those things. This team is different. They, this team does not back down, and, and and it's not just that they've gotten some new guys in there that can do that. Guys like Borowiecki, guys like Tanner Janot, Jakob Trennan's that way. I think Nick Cousins is that way. But guys that have been on the team from from the from those other uh, other teams. T.S. Ekholm, Brian Johansson, Philip Forsberg are all doing that as well. Like they're, they're, they're stepping up that physical side of their game, especially Brian Johansson. I mean, you see him every single night. He is a physical dude uh, along the boards in the center of the ice everywhere. So yeah. I think the physical nature of this team is just it's, – it's incredible to watch. And they, it, it, it is such a stark difference from two years ago. You know, a lot of the guys you mentioned, you know, there's not a lot of, of players, I think, in the league that are going to back down realistically when called <laughs> on. But I think out of the guys you mentioned, you know, I think I asked Forsberg a question last year when they were becoming a little bit more physical of a team, if he enjoyed leaning into that kind of heel category a little bit more, if he if he enjoyed that physical aspect of the game. And he just smiled and was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think, I think you kind of have some of the guys that are – holdovers from that previous roster that mm -hmm. that that style although they have like Forsberg a lot of you know a lot of a lot of skill you know I think there's also this element of I can be a heel too and I can enjoy it I mean I, I like when I see a guy get punched in the face and then laugh and smile at the guy who did it yeah there's there's something in that that really you know, you think, oh, I punch a guy in the face, I win. But then the guy laughs at me. And then you realize you've lost that battle. And I think that does something mentally to the other team or to the guys on the other team when that happens because they realize, like, I punch this guy in the face and, and he's laughing at me. What what yeah. can I do? Um, so you're always kind of playing down a little bit. Um, and Johansson, first off, you, you mentioned it, he's hilarious. But, you know, it's the really funny people who are also with really good cutting senses of humor um, can get into you really quickly uh -huh. with the things they say. So it's it's a role really kind of perfect for him, um, and I, I love to see it. You know, Ryan Johansson reminds me of a lot of guys that I remember from high school, college, even middle school, who were just kind of clowns, but they were also, like, athletic and, and like, kind of intimidating and so, yeah. like, you kind of learned all like, early on, you wanted them on your side, you know? Like, I, I yep. was not an athletic dude. I'm not a particularly physically imposing person. <laughs> like, not at all, actually. And so, like, when I played hockey, excuse me, when I played hockey, I just got thrown around the ice. I just wasn't very good. But a guy like Ryan Johansson, it's not just about his, you know, physical size. It's about his attitude, right? He yeah. has that attitude. And the other thing is, I think that what – you have now with this team is you've got a reputation with other teams. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about this when I, when I play the John Hines clip later about other teams preparing for the Preds, but yeah. uh, this team has a reputation and specifically players have a reputation. There is no more ignoring uh, guys like Tanner, Janot, Jakob Trennan uh, on, on the ice when 84 and 13 come on the ice. The other team has to match it. They can't just say, well, we'll throw our third line out there. They, they have to consider throwing their first line out there because they've got to they've got to have good skill to match those that pair. And I'm, I'm only using that pair because it's, you know, Colton Sissons obviously is a big important part of that. But those two are the ones that are creating so much havoc. Um, uh, 
but they, they have to consider whether to throw their top line out there and their top pair defensemen because those guys are able to score a lot of really impressive goals and also beat the hell out of you. And so, yeah. and then because they're doing that, you know, the top lines, guys like Forsberg, Granlin, Johansson, Tolvin, and all those guys are able to get a little bit easier competition because when they go out, the second or third line are coming out. So um, you've seen a lot of that. You've seen a lot of uh, mismatches for um, for the Predators because of those guys stepping up so much. 100%. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head so much talking about the the duo of Janot and Trinan because and I, I look back on, on the game against the Coyotes and I think about – you know, we, we have to face the reality that Yakov Trenin got in a fight and he didn't win. Um, but, you know, the reality is I'm okay with him not winning that fight. I'm going to tell you why. First off, winning a fight doesn't really get you anywhere. I don't remember. What fight was this? When was this? <sighs> Toward the end of the game, I don't remember. But Trenin started, you know, having a pushing and shoving contest with somebody on the Coyotes. And then oh, another. Andrew Ladd. Okay. Yeah, got it. And then I think Ladd came over and immediately just jumped him. Um, but the re- the reality of that whole situation is that if that's any other player, you know, who's who's not known for doing what Trennan can do um, physically, I don't think anybody comes over and takes care of that fight. I don't think they have. I think they just let them push and shove it out. But yeah. because you see, oh, oh, crap, that's Yakov Trennan <laughs> over there. I got to protect my guy. Well, now you're losing one of your players for five minutes as well. Um, as opposed to what it might just have been a, a two-minute roughing or something like that on on Trinan. So, you know, you're you're having to commit resources to, you know, defending a player in that situation. And so, I mean, you know, Trinan's a big, strong guy. He's going to handily win a lot of his fights. But if, if you lose one, but at the same time, the other team loses a player for five minutes and they're they're playing down as well. And so you end up you know, taking a situation, I think, that would have probably not really escalated. Um, mm-hmm. And then it escalating, and that just proves that that is someone that they're paying attention to. That's someone they're worried about. That's someone they're going to make sure that they're either going to try to get off the ice and you're committing a lot of resources to guys like Trinidad and Janot when they're out there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It, it does. They, they And they all seem to play together. That image of – I just have it in my mind, that image of, of – Johansson and Janot and, and Borbietsky somewhat just screaming at Lawson Krause. And Janot seems so perfectly in that role. He fits that 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 role. And he's all you could you could make the argument he's kind of stepping into a leadership role. It's not exactly the leadership role you want, where just all you do is yell at the other team. But uh it's it's of note, I think. I mean, the guy is come so far so quickly like all of a sudden he's like uh one of the most important players on the team and the guy was just i mean no one even knew this guy i I, maybe even a year i mean it was about this time last year we started noticing him yeah um he was on the team i think but no you know he wasn't really making making that noise yet so anyways uh that's been that's been really great to see um You know, I think I think, and I, I could be wrong here, and if I am, I'm sorry. But didn't did Jano start off in the ECHL last season, and then come I, up to Milwaukee, and then come right. up? I can to, look it up real quick. I, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but I feel like like we had a a meteoric rise. You know, yeah, it's uh, really season. quick. And yeah. so when you say at this point last season, you know, maybe games wise, yes, you know that. 
they just started in January last season. So I'm thinking, right, you know, his, we're... he was with the Everblades and then the Chicago Wolves. Yeah. He was with the Everblades and the Chicago Wolves and played yeah. 15 games for the Preds last year. Yeah. Prior to that, he was with the, he was mostly with the, but okay. So he was mostly with the Admirals uh, between 2018. So, so really, I think the ECL, ECHL thing last year was probably more because of the COVID stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Well, because of the co- combination of of uh, yeah. teams with the Wolves there, I think yeah. they were running out of room. So you had a lot of guys go down to the ECHL and play. So with he's, had, he's had considerable seasoning in the AHL. It's not like he was yeah. – it's not like he walked right. out the street or anything. But, yeah. um, I mean, he's yeah, he's played like 100 games in the AHL. So, um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, so, yeah, Tanner Janot is really great. It's such a great story. We're, we've talked about him so much on this show. I mean, it, it's – if you if you are into the Predators just surface level, like if you only you go to maybe a few games, maybe you probably don't maybe maybe you listen to the show every now and then, you probably haven't heard about him. But we're gonna make sure that at some point you do hear about this guy because he's a big part of the team. Speaking of a big part of the team, UC Soros. Let's talk about him real quick. Okay. Um I actually have some stats to show, not just not just say, but show. Oh. And this has to do with how impactful he's been and how, how much he's, you know, comparing him to the rest of the league. I tried to do this last week and I kind of got tied up in my numbers and everything. So I decided to, uh, I decided to just make a graphic. So let's take a look at this. I I made this just before the show. This is everything that really matters in terms of who's good at being a goalie in the league. So I broke it down by even strength and by all strengths. And then I've got this other category, the Vezina stats, because that's the one that uh, the, the dumb categories that Vezina trophy voters seem to care about, which is the GMs. Um, but let's, let's talk about even strength for a second, because uh, even strength is a very important part of the game. It's, it's, mo- it's the bulk of the game. 80% of the game is played at even strength, maybe closer to 90%. Out of, 39 goalies in the NHL, and that's the reason it's that number is because that's a minimum of 600 minutes on the ice. So, like some goalies have had just occasional starts here and there, but out of 39 goalies in the NHL that play a lot of play have played a lot of even strength minutes, UC Soros is fourth in save percentage, third in goals saved above average. That means that he's saved more goals, 12.8 more goals than should be expected. First in most saves, he's faced the most even strength saves of anybody in the league. He has the seventh highest high danger save percentage. Keep that one in mind because at all strength, it goes up, and that's interesting. And then he's also faced the fourth most expected goals. So he's not just like – it's not just that the Predators' defense has done all the work for him, right? Right. second thing is at all strength, so 36 goalies at all strengths, He's faced the fifth. He has the f- uh, fifth highest save percentage. He's second in goal saved above average. He's still got the most saves. He's first in high danger save percentage. So he's got the top save percentage uh, when 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 those high danger chances come in. He is the best in the league at stopping them. The best in the league. And he's still got the third highest expected goals against. And then the Vezina stats: wins, shutouts, and goals above uh, goals allowed average. Uh, wins he's first in goal and wins honestly it's a luck stat because you can't you can't score goals as a goalie shutouts still a luck stat maybe even more so he's only got two the leader has six that continues to be the dumbest part of the Vezina the Vezina predictor 
And then um, he's 11th in uh, goals allowed average. Again, not something that he can control all the time. So um, there you go. I just wanted to put that together and mention that as something that is, you know, that shows how good he is compared to the rest of the league. What do you think? I think, I think you're missing a couple of key stats. Um, probably want to take a look at, and that's the number one, which is where he is in our hearts. Um, okay. And of course, I, was it you that, that put out the stat yesterday of um, how many, uh, how many centimeters he was from the ground. Is that- yeah, I, I made I made that one up. I don't know if he's – he's probably dead last in that. I guessed around 60 goalies, and I, I thought maybe he's probably not the shortest one, but he's probably close. Yeah, that was a good one. And, but, I, and I, you know, if, if I think what's funny, though, is that if everybody wants to make that such a big sticking point, the fact that, you know, oh, he's undersized or he's shorter than most goalies, I think it should also come into play when you're talking about his success is that – if you think it's such a big deal that he's shorter, well, look at the success he's having in spite of his height. And I, you know, I, I've never been one like obviously bigger body can block more of the goal, but you know, <clears throat> if you're not good at sealing up the corners with your big body, or if you don't have good lateral movement, you're going to let a lot more stuff in. So the fact that he's doing all of this with the size he's been given is uh, I think all the more impressive because I'm going to say it's not a big deal, but if everyone else is going to say it is, and I want to point it out when he has success. Yeah. 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 I, 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 why I think one, one thing people don't think about is maybe how important it is for him to be short because he's just so agile. Um, But we, we've talked about that before, about the difference between him and Pecorine. Pecorine just incredibly athletic and long and he could just flail around the net like a cat. And then UC Soros is just like a robot that just is always in the right spot. I'm the, watching the, uh, watching the Arizona broadcast and also the Vegas broadcast. I, I watch almost all the road broadcasts or the, sorry, the opponent broadcast uh, these days, uh, just because I think it's a really helpful way to get a new insight into the team that we cover. Hmm. Um, they were just also talking about how, positionally UC Soros is amazing. I mean, he, it, like he's every single time there is a, a, a chance on net, he is right there. He's in perfect position. He's got multiple ways to save the puck. He's got his, he's got his, his shoulders in the right place. He's, he's at the right height. He's got the right angle. He's got his, his glove ready. He's, he's, uh, he's good with his stick. He's in, obviously incredible with his lateral movement. He's got all the different pieces, all the different weapons he has as a goalie, he uses them right. I mean, it's just it's amazing to watch. And the opponent, uh, sorry, the opponent broadcasts also notice this, and so that's that's pretty cool. It's it's nice. I mean, you know, I, I I'm I'd like to start listening to those as well, but I've I've been watching you know the Preds broadcast, so I, I think it's interesting you know to hear that other side of the story. But it's also nice to hear that they're also giving credit where credits due. I mean, I don't expect you know, the opposing broadcast to be like, oh, let's talk about how great everybody on the other team is because most people don't want to hear that that are watching that broadcast. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's pretty cool that that you hear, hey, you know, when when the Predators played against this other team, their guys were talking about how awesome Soros was as a goalie too. Yeah. Because you, you have to sometimes question the reality you're being presented with is, you know, well, everybody that I hear talking about how good Soros is, is also covering the team or a fan of the team or, or what have you. So, you know, it's nice, it's nice to hear that from other sources besides just people who are getting paid to cover the team. Uh, I just wanted to point this out too. Um, 
there is so you know you've seen a lot of people say um hang on i'm look i'm trying to look up something as i'm as i'm talking this is kind of tough but i'm trying to find the quote all right so if you watched uh, or if you listened to the the post game last night uh, once again, all the Predators players who were there, Matthias Ekholm and I guess Roman Yossi were – is that who it was? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we're talking about how Roman Yossi is the best goalie in the world, right? Sorry. That does not happen in all NHL locker rooms. Uh, if you've paid attention at all to the Edmonton Oilers situation, where their goalie, Miko Koskinen, has basically been in a public battle with their GM and also the players where he's like, I can't score goals. Everyone else needs to do their job too. I'm doing my job. And then the GM or maybe it's the coach. I can't remember. I think it's Tippett. I think it's the coach. Uh, was basically like our goalie needs to be better. Uh, they are having a bad, I mean, so like even in a team with some incredible talent, like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are having um, problems because they, they don't trust their goalie. And it's just, it's such a, um, an important thing to remember that that not everybody has not every team has a goalie like this. So, well, and and they're they're manifesting, right? I mean, to borrow from the 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 young folks' vernacular, right? Uh, you know, if the, if everybody continually repeats the line that UC Soros is the best goalie in the world, or we have the best goalie in the world right now, or however you want to say it, people are going to start to take notice as long as you stay on message. And with with some more national outlets starting to actually somehow miraculously pay attention to one of the first place teams in the, in the, in one of the divisions, you know, they're going to start hearing that it's going to cause them to start looking for why are these guys saying that? Because like you said, look what's going on in Edmonton, more people are going to pay attention because more people are talking about it. And if these guys are the ones that can get the party started, uh, you and I, other people that cover the team will have that message out there as well. <clears throat> it gets picked up nationally dare I say internationally with the Canadian media. And then you have a real conversation going on about yeah. how, how good is this guy? Because look at the numbers he's putting up. Look at what his players are saying about him. So the, the fortunate side is he's also got the wins. And I think he's going to start so many games that he'll be pretty close in wins this year. Now I, I think wins goalie wins is like the best predictor for who wins the Bezina. I mean, if you go back like 10 years, the, the leader in wins is at least a finalist every year. So like if he's, if he's close in wins, he's got a chance. Um, <clears throat> all that stuff about goals saved above average, high danger, save percentage, regular save percentage, all that stuff. The, the, they don't look at that, but it obviously it results in wins. So uh, since he's gonna probably going to start 65 games this year or something like probably close to 70 games, I don't know how many he's going to start, but it's going to be crazy. He'll probably have like 35, 40 wins. Like he's going to be up there. So, that's 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 really good for Soros and like a different what different than last year where he only had like 24 or something 25 maybe um wait maybe he didn't even have that many I can't remember how many he had but uh the reason he didn't get a, to be a finalist because he wasn't like he wasn't even top five in wins so yeah wins seems to be a, a really big predictor but um let's move on to talk about John Hines because uh, I I want to play this video of of John Hines before the Arizona game. And uh, I thought this was just a, a brilliant answer. I actually turned it into an article that I wrote uh, for A to Z Sports. You can go check that out. Uh, it's about John Hines talking about how does his messaging to his team change with the team being in first place? Because it, it would be very easy 
to have one message to your team when you're down in the standings and saying, you know, let's prove our worth to the, to the league. Let's show what we can do. And then being in first place when you're the target, when everyone wants to come after you. Um, I want to play this full thing. It's a little long, but it's, it's only about two minutes, but I think it's a, a great response. And I think there's a lot here uh, to what John Hines says. So let's, I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, and then we'll talk about what he said after. Answer to the question is, is, is yes. In the sense that, you know, how we want to play and, and the identity we want to play with that, that message doesn't change. Uh, but it, you know, we, we have had a pretty strong messaging with our group too, that, you know, We've had some success here. There's still a lot of hockey left to be played. And, you know, it's important that we, we grow as a team and that where our game is at now is not where we want to, you know, we, wanna, we don't want to be the same team now, you know, in 10 games from now, 15 games from now, 30 games from now. We want to continue to grow and get better. And that's been our mindset, whether that's building our offensive zone game, areas we can do better defensively, you know, tactical things that we feel need to be uh, – need to be better or we can improve upon or build upon. So from your, from your playing standpoint, Alex, that that's a mindset that we have with our team. And that was a, a discussion we had with our group this morning regarding building our offensive zone game where we can get better and not be satisfied with where we're at right now. Now the message, I think, yes, when you're, you know, depending on where you are in the standings at times, you know, it's important that, you know, we talked with the group today about, you know, I think, it, you know, when you look at character of groups and handling things, you know, the old quote where if you give a man success or power, you know, that's when you really see the characters. How do you respond when you're having success and not, not letting off the gas or changing your mindset, but having a hunger and a mindset to continue to improve? Because although we sit in the standings where we sit now, there's a lot of hockey left to be played and we want to make sure that we continue to grow and get better. And that's been a strong messaging uh, to our team. And I think the final thought, you know, in your regard is when you are in situations now, right now we sit in first place in the central and, you know, have a pretty good record in the Western conference right now that you know that you're going to get the other team's best games. And, you know, a lot of times it could be a measuring stick game or you're not going to catch anybody by surprise. So the mental preparation and understanding, you know, that we need to be ready uh, at our best night in and night out, because when you're in a situation you're in now, most likely you're going to get the other team's best efforts. So it's a great question. Uh, but it is something that we're certainly on it and ha have been messaging to our team. Okay, so there's a lot there. Uh, just uh, to, to kind of break it down really quick, uh, essentially what he's saying is that the, the, the messaging for improvement doesn't really change. Uh, that, you know, after the, the Los Angeles game, they, they went back and worked on, okay, how can we increase our, our offensive zone time? How can we reduce our penalties? How can we reduce, how can we fix some things defensively? And, but the, the overall message to the team does kind of change a little bit with regards to you are going to get every single team's best game. All you, you are no longer going to surprise anybody. I think that was the quote, something like uh, we're not going to surprise anybody anymore um, for the first 30 games of the season they probably surprised some teams with how they were playing. I think that's probably pretty clear, but they're not going to do that anymore. And uh, they're going to have to face kind of a different, a different uh, dynamic in the last like 50 games or so. Well, you know, the other thing that really sticks out to me from that is when he's talking about the, the old saying, if you give a man success is when you'll see his true character. And yeah. you think about previous, you know, incarnations of this team, 
where they have done things like, you know, win the president's trophy and finish in the top and, and all of this stuff. And then you see what happens in the playoffs. And, and I'm not saying that that's definitely like, well, they, they had success and you saw their true character in the playoff. But uh, the reality is, like you said, they're getting the other team's best every time they face them. It doesn't matter who it is. They're not catching anyone by surprise. Everyone knows what this team is. They know what's coming and they're going to be ready for it. And, and yeah, they're first place in the central division and, You've got a lot of people out there still saying that other teams should be higher up. You know, the Predators were 11th in the athletics power rankings. Um, there was a locked on podcast, did a rankings where they were like 17th in the uh, in the in the power rankings. And it's they're they're not getting that respect from a lot of other places. So they definitely want to prove that they deserve to be up there. And then you've got other teams that want to prove that they don't deserve to be there. So they know what's coming with the team. They're going to give everything they can give to make sure that they, they show the predators aren't the team they're trying to say they are. So, um, you know, and I think it's, it really says a lot. And I'm assuming that was a question that you asked Hines. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, what a great answer for a coach to sit and give you that long of an explanation of things when, you know, Hines, if he's nothing else, he's on message. Um, you and I have seen that since day one. We haven't heard a lot of differences in the things he's saying. Um, but to see that, yeah, you know, I do change what I'm saying a little bit and here's what I say and, and all that's pretty impressive. I, I want to point out too, um, one of the things that we heard a lot, if you, if you look back over his tenure toward the beginning, was he talked about mental toughness and a positive mental state. And you heard that almost night after night. And you're not hearing him talk about that as much because I think that's something the team has finally really taken to heart, really made a part of their everyday approach to to hockey. And and as you see them starting to absorb these lessons and absorb these concepts, they're becoming a much better team. Um, And so while it's it's not, not, not a lot's changed, he's still saying the same things. It's the things that he's not talking about on a daily basis anymore that tells you that the team is really starting to embrace what he's, what he's coaching them to do. Yeah. And I think, I think tactically, you know, you've seen some stuff tactically from John Hines that really works. I think that the, the, the emphasis on the defensive structure, not allowing the defensemen to activate as much again, except for Roman Yossi, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. Uh, the, the, the defense is, is much more structured and disciplined than it has been. The, the forwards are able to create on their own, which they've, they've been doing a lot of that this year. You've seen the the combinations of players he's put together. Obviously, Forsberg, Granlund, and Duchesne has been a, an excellent pairing. We've already talked about Janot and Trennan. But also, like, using those players in the right way, not just relying on Janot and Sissons and, and Trennan to be, like, this energy line when you need it. But, like, that's, like, they're – that's – that's almost their top line. I mean, like they, they go to that line so much. They're, they're basically their second line. I mean, it, they, they kind of have three lines really, but they, they, they use that line so much. And then they're also his, you know, tactically, I think John Hines makes a lot of really good decisions in game. I think his, his timing of when, when to send certain players out there, his timing of, of, uh, of when to, when, when a certain player is not playing up to par and, and kind of backing off their minutes for that game is, is, He's got it. He's got it. He's got that in the bag. He knows what he's doing. And then I, that's a really good point you bring up about the, the, they haven't really talked about mental toughness, I think, because they've kind of figured it out. I mean, like you don't ever ignore it, but 
you don't have to keep harping on it if the guys are are buying into it already. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think when you start to hear the players use a lot of the things that we've heard Heinz say for a while, um, one of the biggest is, you know, um, only trying to control what they can control, which, which kind of brings up something I wanted to talk about too, um, based on what I was able to ask Heinz after the game. Yeah. Go ahead. Coyotes. Um, you know, I asked Heinz, and I don't remember the exact wording, but, just something along the lines of, you know, look, you've you've been talking about how you only need to try to control what you can control. And I thought that last night's game was a great example of a lot of things happening that they had no control over, especially in the third period with the whole fiasco is what I'll call it about the high stick goal and the and all that nonsense. And he said, you know, pretty much agreed and said, yeah, you know, this game was a really good example of why I say that, because there's going to be things that happen in every game you can't control. Uh, you have a lot of things happening all at once that you can't control. And the reality is you can get focused on those things and you can chase those things and it's not going to help you at all. Or you can choose to uh, buckle in, strap in and do what you need to do to bring home the win. And that's exactly what you saw the team do last night. Um, after that whole situation, there were probably a lot of opportunities where I would say the Preds wanted to, get physical, but they resisted that urge because that was a thing they could control. And they focused on shutting down the coyotes at that point. And they, they yeah. made that happen. Um, you know, it's, it seems like a, a silly thing to say. It seems like a, I don't know, like just something I can go to, to, to make sense. Oh, you only got to try to control what you can control. But when you start looking at, at how that actually plays out on the ice and how the team actually has embraced that, I think it, it really speaks a lot to, you know, this is this is solid coaching. This is solid advice. Yeah, that kind of sucked in the third period. But if we chase that rabbit, if we if we try to, you know, well, I'm going to go prove a point to this guy or now we're going to have to do this as opposed to, you know, what we need to do is we need to shut down the other team when they've got the puck, try to take it from them and go score some goals. Yeah. Um, and, and that's exactly what they focused the on team, doing. Despite the the late rallies by this team, the, the predators continue to be really, really good uh, with the lead. Uh, let me look it up real quick. I know it was 17 and zero at some point, uh, are they 18 and zero now? They are now, no, they're just, they're, they're 17. Oh, and one when leading after two <clears throat> 17, Oh, and one 17 wins, no losses, one overtime loss, which I believe was the Columbus game, which is odd. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, so, it was that, it was that turnover. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 17 and one So they're they're really, really good with the lead. Um, obviously, mo most teams are good with the lead. I mean, like com comebacks don't happen all that often, but they do happen. Um, so the Predators are, are, are really putting that down. So um, lots of really good stuff today. I really, I really enjoyed today because we we definitely covered big parts of what what's going on with this team. And if you if you only see the final scores you're really missing on what this team's all about. I mean, like this, this team is extremely physical. They're extremely skilled. They have the best goalie in the game. In my opinion, they have an incredible defenseman in Roman Yossi. They've got some great young players, the top players from previous, uh, the, the, sorry, the top paid players are, are playing like it. We didn't mention Philip Forsberg on COVID protocol. To be honest, when I heard that, I was like, eh, they'll be okay without him. I think they can, they can make it. 
I, assuming he's okay, I'm sure he's, I mean, COVID protocol means that the guy tested positive. So he tested positive. Who knows what that means? Hopefully he's asymptomatic and he'll be back soon. But I was like, you know, I think, I think this team could win uh, this Arizona game for sure without, without uh, Philip Forsberg. Now the week ahead is going to be tough because of a couple of these games. The first of which is Tuesday against Colorado. Colorado, the Preds have won four straight. So has Colorado. They've won four straight as well. So Colorado, and they've got their their gun, the big guns back. And Kale McCarr is playing like a Norris Trophy candidate as well. So um, Colorado Avalanche coming to Bridgestone Arena Tuesday, 7 p.m. start. Thursday against Buffalo. Uh, that Buffalo comes into town. Now, Buffalo, I, I don't even actually know where they are in the standings. Where are they at? Buffalo, let's check it. Probably at the bottom, guessing. Buffalo's not at the bottom, but they're not. They're sixth in the Atlantic. So, okay. Yeah. They're, they, they're probably about, probably something similar to what we saw with Arizona. Maybe not as bad, but. Um, and then Saturday at Boston, that's going to be a tough game, too. Going to Boston, matinee game, 12, 12 p.m. start, noon start there. Uh, that'll be a tough game as well. So, I, I mean, I'm looking at this, and I think it's very similar to last week. I think if you get two out of these three, you're doing fine. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. And, you know, you, you mentioned Forsberg being out, and they're probably looking at facing Colorado without him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we. I'm going to look back at something really quick that Matthias Ekholm said after the game, which is which has, you know, garnered a lot of really positive responses. Um, and I think he was talking about, at, at first was talking about if, if someone, you know, ha, has a penalty and they have to go on the kill, what he said. But what he said ends up giving a lot of insight to where the team is. I'm going to read it really quick. I, I tweeted it last night, but he said, whatever situation we get in, it doesn't matter what it is. We just kill it for each other. We stand up for each other, and that builds team toughness. Whatever happens out there, we know we have each other's backs. So you're, you're looking at a team that's united. So you, yeah. you take Philip Forsberg out of the equation – someone's going to step up and fill that role and they're going to make sure that they take care of each other out there. And, so. and they're, that's, that's a great point. It was a great quote. And uh, I'm glad you, you brought that up and look, this team is united. They're, they're united no matter where they go, no matter where they play and what arena they go in, whether it's the Haynes tagless boxer briefs field house, or maybe if they have to go into the, the unfriendly confines of the Chili's Crispy Chicken Crispers Arena. Oh, man. <laughs> or the aptly named Fellows Power Shred Crosscut Shredder 2006 Garden. Well, are, are these real? Or the Fancy Feast Savory Center, which I think is a perfect name because, you know, the Savory Center Fancy Feast is a brand, but it's also the name of the arena. And then of course, SunTrust now truest, but probably still SunTrust park. If they're it, no matter where they're going, they are a what? united front. The, no, these are not real, but the Bloomin' onion field house, Bloomin' onion field. house. great. I like grapenuts.com field. I think grapenuts.com <laughs> feels great. Cause I don't think.com feels good. I like that. I don't think there's a grapenuts.com, but I do like grapenuts. I, I We're about to find out. <laughs> Uh, let's see could here. Be, could be a risky, a risky uh, URL for a. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully not. There is a grapenuts.com where you can meet the grapenuts family. Did you know, Alex, the grapenuts here is officially back shipping at full capacity? Say what now? Did you know that grapenuts cereal is officially back shipping at full capacity to stores nationwide? 
Oh, I didn't know that there was an issue. I guess they had some supply chain issues. I learned it at GrapeNuts.com. <laughs> there you go. Is, it, is that a hold on? But you know, I, I think you're I think you're right. Earlier, there, nothing beats the Snickers peanut butter dome. That place. No. Well, I mean, it's it's competitive, but it's also delicious. What name name something you don't again? There's Snickers, there's peanut butter, and there's a dome. And domes, I mean, at least as a child of the 80s, I know, are like the pinnacle of, of sports facilities. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of GrapeNuts.com as well, and that's mainly because growing up, uh, one of my best friend's dads was a, was a brand rep for Post. So oh. they had a lot of Grape Nuts regalia at their house. I don't really know why, but... Um, it was just a historic part of the company, and I guess it was lying around the office. And he's like, "We'll put this up grape in the laundry room." Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, like I, a lot of historical grape nuts merch. I don't know. Like I said, I like grape nuts. It's awesome. I think it's one of my favorite cereals. I eat it quite frequently. It also really? helps with your your system, so to speak. Well, this has taken a turn. I was going to say you must have very healthy teeth as well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it helps. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. All right, you can check out all of our hockey coverage at a Please also go to On the Forecheck as well. Follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Sean on Twitter at SCSOTF, and we will see you next week.